Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the bottom. Problems along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshire. And it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Hi, I'm J.C. Fickenshire. Welcome to J.C.'s Garage. I'm joined by Brad Gilly today. Kyle Larson dominates Homestead Miami and uh, leads over 200 laps to to win uh, his first ever win at Homestead Miami. Pretty surprising that it's taken him uh, this long to win there. He's known to be so good at Homestead. Finally gets it done. What are your thoughts on that, Brad? You know, uh, I, I got to say it was pretty amazing. Um, it, a lot of different things in this because I think Larson's win really comes with a lot of layers. You know, he had the struggle that he had, got wrecked at Las Vegas the week before and everything that followed with that. Uh, but as a result of that wreck, he was even a little bit down on himself saying that he just didn't feel like he was really performing up to what his level should be. And, you know, that, uh, you know, he sort of needed to get out of a rut. And boy, did he get out of a rut. Led 199 of 267 laps and really a dominating win. And it's amazing how literally what can happen within the course of one week could turn everything around, you know, just simply for him to get another win. And that was one of those wins that I think truly reminded him that, yes, I can do this and I can do this in a big, spectacular way. And I thought that was really, really cool to see. So good for him to finally get it done at Homestead, Miami. Yes, I agree. And and this weekend, it kind of felt like the drivers who are so good at this track finally got it done in the Xfinity Series. No, Gregson got his first one at Homestead. We know he's so good at Homestead, Miami, and these tracks that you need to run up close to the wall. He's just He's just got the car control to do so. He finally gets his first win after last year getting so unlucky right in the high side and a car wrecks in front of him and he can't go anywhere. Uh, on like the last couple laps and, and loses that race. But he wins. And then Kyle Larson, who's been so good at Homestead Miami, even the races that uh, in the championship four where he's outside of it, but he's still always battling with those championship four drivers at Homestead. Now that it's changed over and we're racing at Phoenix in the championship, I think uh, for Kyle Larson, when he heard the news a couple years ago that they were moving it, I'm pretty sure he was pretty upset. But still, if if he was in the round of eight, which is so surprising that he wasn't in this round, but if he was, he'd have a, a lock-in to the championship four. Yeah, uh, and that really is a tough thing for him, I'm sure, because to think that as a driver – uh, he was not going to be able to defend his championship. And I don't know. To me, there is something really cool uh, to be able to see last year's champion be able to go and have another shot at it. As a car number, you know, with the car owner points, at least the number five still gets to contend for the championship. Uh, but then that starts to, you know, add a lot more to it and confuse things a little bit. But I, I thought Larson's comments after the race, JC, were really nice in that he said, hey, look, if I had a choice, uh, to either just run for a driver's title or just run for the owner's title as opposed to running for them both concurrently like he did last year. I'd much rather run for the owner's title because that's the team championship and uh, and we race as a team. I thought that was really, really big of him to, you know, really think about it and look at it that way. Yeah, and he's one of those drivers that's a, that's a big, big team player with uh, the way he he drives his crew chief and and the way the team's built around, if if Kyle Larson makes a mistake, that team can get him right back into a race. There, I would I would have to put it as one of the best best teams in in NASCAR because of just how how good they are on pit road, how good they are at strategizing a race, and how good they are at convincing Kyle Larson, even when 
even like the Coke 600, he's wasn't running good. They convinced him, hey, you're still in this. You can do it. Long race. And he gets right back in it and he was racing for the win until it ended up not going his way with Chase Briscoe. But one thing that I think is is really interesting to see and really big is A.J. Allmendinger. We know the news. He's coming to the Cup Series next year full-time uh, driving the 16 car. He goes to Homestead, Miami and finishes third. At, and he's not known to be really good on the ovals, but we know he can do so. But the, the battle between him and Ross Chastain in the late portion of this race was really, really impressive to watch and really fun to, really fun to watch. Yeah, it was. And to think those two drivers used to be teammates whenever Ross ran that year at Colleg Racing and some of the battles that they had, not all of them ended up nicely, um, but still uh, the fact that they really raced together as very, very close teammates. And for A.J. Allmendinger to be racing as hard as he was at the end of that race, realizing that, hey, he's racing with a guy who is trying to run for a championship in the Cup Series, and that didn't matter. They raced hard, they raced clean. But, J.C., I think the most impressive thing to me is that if you go back now over the last six Cup races that A.J. Allmendinger has run, top ten finishes in all of them, and only half of those were road courses. So it's not like he did really good on a bunch of road courses and then had a good day at Homestead. He was seventh at Bristol, ninth at Las Vegas, now third at Homestead. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, full-time in that number 16 cup car next year. Looks like they're on a pretty good path right now already. And it proves that not only he is doing good and, and driving that car competitively. But that colleague 16 car is a competitive race car because every time he's in the car, we've seen Noah Gregson and Daniel Hemmerich. They've been able to dabble in it and, and run in the top 15 every once in a while. But ever since he, when he goes in the car, it doesn't matter if it's a road course or not. We always know you can put him in any car on a road course and he'll be up by the front. But to put him in at trucks like Bristol and Homestead and, and trucks he's not known for, as much as the road courses and he's still running up front with some of the biggest names of the sport is, is really impressive. And I'm really excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, you said something pretty key right there too. Um, you talk about the fact that Noah Gregson and, uh, and Daniel Hemmick have also run in that car. Now that Noah has been running in the 48 for Hendrick sitting in for Alex Bowman, it's pretty much been AJ Allmendinger for the most part. And that means that now what we're seeing out of A.J. Allmendinger are not just a lot of good runs, but what it means to have consistency within that race team and be able to be in the same car, have the same driver in that car week after week after week now. And it's really proving results. It's been great to see. Yeah, and, and it's it's impressive because – He's doing all of this while running for an Xfinity championship. He won the regular season championship in the Xfinity, in the Xfinity series, and he's done that back-to-back -back seasons now. Now he's running, trying to race his way into the championship four. He's uh, just inside as of right now, but, but right on the edge going into Martinsville. And uh, I, I'm really interested to see. I don't think we'll see him in a cup car for the next two weeks just because of the point he's at in the Xfinity series running for a title. He he needs to he needs he doesn't need to prove himself anymore. But he, I, I know he really wants to win this championship and I know he can. But it's going to be hard facing guys like Josh Berry and Noah Gregson who are already locked into the Xfinity series championship you can argue that Noah Gregson's the best driver in the Xfinity series and and I'd probably agree with you all around as of this point he's probably the most talented driver in the Xfinity series but you can't put off Josh Berry on a shorter track like Phoenix 
Yeah, no, and that is very true. I mean, you know, Martinsville this weekend, we know how good Josh Berry is at that racetrack. And then you talk about another flat track, um, you know, albeit twice the size as Martinsville, but Josh Berry is there. And, and, you know, if you look at the Xfinity Series standings right now, Noah Gregson and Josh Berry are locked in with their wins at Las Vegas and Homestead, respectively. Uh, Ty Gibbs is sitting there in a fairly comfortable spot right now. A.J. Allmendinger, maybe not in a quite as comfortable spot on the cut line, just five points ahead of Justin Allgaier right now. And uh, I, I think we've got a great battle going into their uh, you know last opportunity to be able to make the championship four. And it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend to see who gets there. And, you know, mathematically, or I guess maybe not quite mathematically, but realistically, someone would have to win. It would be possible that Junior Motorsports could have all four of their cars in the championship four. Highly unlikely, but at least they're going to have half the field covered. Yeah, that really impressive for Junior Motorsports. It's it's very unlikely that they get all four of their cars in, but still not of the out of the realm of possibility. It would need a Ty Ty Gibbs collapse, and then uh, probably Sam Mayer would have to win his way in, and then Justin yeah. Allgaier would have to to race his way in. But it's it's really going to be an exciting race at Martinsville. It's it's always exciting at Martinsville. Short track, putting them on the on the smallest track we have, other than the LA Coliseum, which isn't a points race. Uh, but really excited to see uh, what all three series is, how it's all going to end up. And if you look at the cup side of things, it's pretty close between all the drivers. Joey Logano is the only one locked in. But Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, they're all able to race their way in or out. And <laughs> then you got Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe, who are most likely going to have to win to get in. There's a shot Christopher Bell can race his way in, but it's so it's so out of the realm of possibility that it won't happen he'll have to win to get in but looking at this it's going to be a very competitive and very exciting martinsville race um but like do you think it's going to be tough for some guys to hold their position last in the spring race we saw uh it was hard really hard to pass at martinsville i'm not sure if they they're going to bring anything different i know they did a test there uh, not sure if that relates to anything to what the package they're going to bring there is, but we we did see it, the trackhouse cars kind of struggled there. So, is there concern for Ross Justine? I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, I think it's going to be a completely different race on a few different fronts. Number one, uh, first they did a Goodyear tire test. Kyle Busch, Austin Sendrick, a couple of the guys that were a big part of that test. And uh, and they're coming back with a new tire, which according to Goodyear, and this is a left and right side tire, a softer compound that when they were there last, it was nighttime, it was 40 degrees, the track wasn't really rubbering in. According to Goodyear, the compound they're bringing back uh, with warmer temperatures, although it's not necessarily going to be warm there, it'll just be warmer, but they say regardless, this tire is supposed to lay rubber into the track, and I think that'll be different. You know, if you go back to the last race there, JC, William Byron won the race and Chase Elliott finished seventh, but those two drivers combined combined to lead all but about seven laps of the 403-lap event. I mean, they dominated that race, but Danny Hamlin struggled quite a bit. Ross Chastain did get a top five. Ryan Blaney finished fourth. You know, we're talking about some of the playoff drivers here, and uh, some of them had good days, some of them didn't, but Danny Hamlin's good at this track. Danny Hamlin wasn't good with the last compound and the things that they were doing. Oh, and also they were shifting every lap, which they probably still will be, but if the track rubbers in, they might have some options there because of a little bit of a different uh, gear ratio setup that they've got this weekend. 
I look at it this way. If you're Ross Chastain at plus 19, and almost he and Ryan Blaney have to do the same thing in the first two stages, and Ross is plus 19, Ryan's minus 18, yeah. <laughs> they need to collect stage points. If Ross Chastain can get a good amount of stage points and pad to that plus that he has right now, then that's going to be a really nice thing for him to either relax or, if he wanted to, maybe even go for the win in the final stage. For Ryan Blaney, he's sort of in a weird in-between situation because minus 18, yes, it's very doable he gets there in points, but could he also look at it and say, I'm in a must-win situation? I think they go out there, run the first two stages, and Blaney, by the way, has really been fast at Martinsville. If he does well and makes up a lot of ground on on whatever the cut line is at the time uh, in the first two stages, then maybe he can actually race really smart and not have to be in a must-win situation in the final stage. Now, Chase Elliott, William Byron, they just don't need to do anything dumb. Danny Hamlin needs to make something happen, and with a five-point deficit to William Byron, I think he can make something happen. But uh, I, I think the ball's way up in the air for a lot of different people. But to your point... Christopher Bell, Chase Briscoe, if they don't win, they're not advancing to the next round. For other drivers, oof, that final stage is going to be really fun. Yeah, it's going to be a really exciting race. And, and I think for Ross Chastain's part in being plus 19 to the good, he has been, no doubt about it, the most consistent driver of the season. Two back-to-back second-place finishes this round, just average finish of second. You can't really do much better than that. And and going into a track that he did finish fifth last uh, last race in the spring, I think at at the position you're at, you're you're not really worried. You just need to finish the race. Honestly, you run in the top fifteen, snag a couple stage points, and, and you're on your way to Phoenix racing for a championship. But for guys like Chase Elliott down to Ryan Blaney, that's you're going to be racing all day. You're going to be racing really hard, and you're going to be most likely contending for that win after in the third stage you're going to be wanting that win and then ryan blaney or uh, christopher bell and, and chase briscoe they're going to be fun to watch because christopher bell we know is a very talented driver and, and chase briscoe is a talented driver but we haven't seen a whole lot of him uh just because this is his second year his sophomore season so we're gonna see some some really aggressive racing out of both those two. I'm not sure how they're gonna race the stages, knowing that they will have to win, but they're gonna want to be in position in that third stage. And and the whole thing uh, that kind of made the race in the spring not as good as we expected is number one at the temperature. It was in the forty. It was in like forty degrees of of weather. That's just unheard of for a, a race in. The way the season spans out, that's that's just unlucky. You can't really contend with that when tires are always cold. And then the shifting was a little bit of it as well. When when you can't sh- when you shift on a road course, it, you obviously you're shifting twice. You're shifting on the straightaways so that you're you're not redlining and you're not losing straightaway speed. And then they also will downshift into the corner so that they get better drive off. And it also helps the car turn a little bit. So. If, if a guy has a competitive, like a really good setup and they're shifting, it could be interesting on, on how much they lead by. Because if you bring the right, uh, right setup here, it could be a dominant race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And think about that. What you just said, JC, um, you're, you're upshifting twice per lap on each straightaway and you're downshifting twice per lap in each turn. That's 2,000 shifts 
over the course of a 500-lap race. If it only goes 500 laps, it may go into overtime several times in this one. And and incredibly, um, we're still seeing drivers making mistakes with the new sequential gearbox that they have. Ryan Blaney did it last week when he was coming off a of pit road on the acceleration lane at Homestead and ended up spinning himself out, just wanting to uh, you know throw that gear shifter up to go into third gear instead of continue to pull it back to go into third gear. And uh, gosh, when you're doing that 2,000 times over the course of the night, think about how hard that is on you and how hard that is on equipment. Yeah, and and I'm going to swing this a little bit to, to how we talked about A.J. Allmendinger a little bit. The reason that I think in the if you look in the Xfinity Championship, A.J. Allmendinger is right on the edge, but I, I think he can very well knock his way into the into the next round is Martinsville is an oval, and he's not really known for that. But the, the way you race a short track like Martinsville, a flat, super slow track, it's all repetition. You're all doing the same thing every lap and trying to repeat it, and you get into a rhythm, and that's what road course racing is. It's you just on a rhythm. Every single lap, you have every single corner, you want to do the same. You do it a lot on, on the mile and a half, but not to the extent that you do it on road courses and really short, flat tracks. So... When you're shifting on a flat track, I find it hard that you make a mistake. But where Ryan Blaney made his mistake, and like we've seen other drivers like Denny Hamlin make shifting mistakes, it's normally either coming to pit road, slowing down, or coming off of pit road and speeding up, which is is a is a really interesting thing. It, it makes sense because those drivers are trying to drive the car as hard as possible to keep up speed and make up the speed so they can get on the track and not lose as much time as they were supposed to. Um, but to, that we're having it this far into the year and from a guy like Ryan Blaney, who's very experienced is pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is, but it happens, you know, I, I guess old, old habits die hard. And, uh, and that's just one of those that all throughout the course of the day, everything was fine until it wasn't. And he's definitely not the only one that's done that this year. We've seen it happen to Denny Hamlin. We've seen it happen to Bubba Wallace. We've seen it happen to several drivers. Kyle Busch. I mean, we're talking people who, you know, uh, you know, uh, have either won championships or are championship contenders. They've done these same things, and uh, at a certain point, it comes up and bites you. I guess, and I'm always trying to find the positive in everything, JC, if you're Ryan Blaney, you got that out of your system at Homestead because if it happens this weekend at Martinsville Speedway, it would be a much bigger penalty than it happening last week at Homestead. Mind you, it wasn't good that it happened last week, but it would be so much worse for it to happen this weekend. Yes, and and at Martinsville, it's a track where you're coming off pit road and you're you're right onto the back straightaway. So the thing that he kind of got lucky on is Homestead. You have the access road and and you're riding on that. So number one, if you miss a shift, you can't slide into the track or lose control and and be in the racing line. And he he got lucky with the fact that he had a caution come out, which saved him from going laps down. Um, but he, he still finished 17th after restarting from, from all the way back. So he was running in the top 10 and, and you make one mistake and that happens at, at Martinsville, which you expect about 15 to 20 laps into a run, there's going to be a car on every single part of that track. And if you make a mistake coming off a of pit road or coming into pit road and you spin out and you miss the pit road, or you're coming off a of pit road and you spin into the track 
you're going to get hit. So it's it could be a big consequence. And we saw mistakes all day uh, on at Homestead with uh, even Martin Truex, the leader of the race in the in the final stage and up until the caution came out. And he's coming down pit road, ready to get tires, leading the line. Can't see going into the sun. You can't really blame him, but misses where his pit stop was, messes up on pit road, gets spun out, but it was his fault. And and it's been a season of horrible luck for Martin Truex. Doesn't make the playoffs. He's been in the position to win races, just doesn't go his way. And and it's really interesting because we haven't seen that from a guy like Martin Truex, who is a championship-winning driver. He is a veteran. Yeah, I, I think sometimes when uh, all of a sudden things start crumbling down, it's kind of hard to catch them all and then stack them back up. And that's where they are right now. It is almost a comedy of errors. It is one of those things that if something can go wrong, it's going to go wrong with them. And, and it's the opposite of when a driver has good luck all season long, like Kyle Larson did last year, or like Jimmy Johnson did for five consecutive years. Um, it's just, you know, everything that could go wrong just seems to be happening to that team. And it's not like they've really had a lack of speed, you know, with the exception of maybe the road courses where Toyota has struggled. Honestly, Martin Truex Jr. has been fast at a lot of racetracks. Heck, he and Kyle Busch were contending for a win at the first Las Vegas race this year uh, until a late race caution came out and uh, and Alex Bowman was able to take advantage of it. So just all kinds of different things go wrong, including him sliding backwards into his pit box. Crazy to think of all that. Yeah, and, and now thinking about it, this Martinsville race is normally when retaliation happens. We've seen it multiple times at Martinsville. If something happens with the driver, it always seems to come down to Martinsville. And uh, I'm wondering, we've seen all throughout the season, Ross Chastain getting in dirty scuffles with drivers. And and the one that you can note to talk with is, is Denny Hamlin. Now, obviously, Denny Hamlin's not going to go out and wreck him. He's running for a, a spot to win the championship. But the way Ross Chastain has raced him every single race, even last race, we saw him racing really, really hard. And yes, he's trying to win a race. But if Denny Hamlin wrecks out or has a problem, they can get that car back on the track. Could you see retaliation coming for Ross Chastain? No, no, I don't. I, I think Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain have worked out everything they need to. And, you know, Hamlin even talked about how they, uh, you know, he took him to breakfast one day and they just sort of sat down and talked. And, and that's an okay thing to happen. You know, when Denny Hamlin was coming up in his early days in the Cup Series, that's sort of the way it was. You know, you had those drivers who had been around for a while. And, uh, and when you're a young driver and you're just full of energy and everything else, sometimes it takes some of the veterans to kind of sit you down for a minute and say, hey, relax, calm down. Um, you know, it's interesting while Ross Chastain was sort of having his run-ins and it seemed like he and Hamlin, uh, Hamlin were magnets for each other. The narrative back then was, oh, well, Ross Chastain better watch out when it comes to the playoffs. And I thought, well, that's just not a very smart way of thinking. Uh, first, Ross Chastain never did anything to Denny Hamlin in the playoffs. So why would Denny Hamlin wait? And he really didn't. He actually tried to exact his revenge at Pocono, and then karma caught up with him at the end of that, and they ended up disqualified, not as a result of that, but for other things. But still, um, I, I don't think so. I think everyone's sort of calmed down on that deal. And, and look, Hamlin knows, especially after what happened at Las Vegas with his driver, Bubba Wallace, and what we've seen at Martinsville Speedway between Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano, you don't go out there if you have a problem and your lap's down and go after someone else who is still racing that race. 
You just simply don't do that. And I don't think Denny Hamlin even has it in him to do that, number one, uh, because he is a really good, hard competitor, but he's a good competitor. And, and look, if it comes down to Denny Hamlin needing to race his way in and he and Ross Chastain are racing for third, yeah, I expect Hamlin to move him out of the way. I would expect Ross to move Denny out of the way in that situation or any other driver. That's racing. But you don't do that when you're not a part of the race that someone else is a part of, and uh, I just simply don't see that happening. Yes, I, I'd have to agree with that. But before we turn our, our ways to our Martinsville picks and, and what we think is going to happen at Martinsville and who we think is going to make it to the championship for, uh, the way that the last couple of years, how, how NASCAR has been, we've seen new tracks pop up and, and different things come out of people's minds and they come out and you race it, like racing on the Roval, racing on dirt, uh, going back to North Wilkesboro, racing in a football stadium. Uh, I just want to point this out uh the nascar euro series it's a, a european stock car racing series sanctioned by nascar um it's basically gives europeans a, the shot to race stock cars uh they announced that they're going to be racing on an ice track in finland what do you what do you think about that man i think that is awesome uh, look, there, there's nothing saying that ice can't be a racing surface. Heck, they do it up in Wisconsin. Paul Menard used to do that uh, uh, before his NASCAR days. But how cool is that? I, I mean, seriously, because, you know, the one thing that I love about racing is that, look, you can race anywhere. And, and even people said, oh, you can't race big, heavy stock cars, uh, you know, inside of a coliseum. Why not? Oh, you can't race big, heavy stock cars on the street. Why not? We're going to do it next year in Chicago. Why not race them on ice? I mean, now, I would hope that for, you know, big, heavy stock cars that the ice is thick enough, and I would imagine that it is, but still, <laughs> uh, I would love to be there for it, to be honest with you. I think that'd be so much fun to see. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because from, from what I know, we have never put a stock car on ice and put it up to other drivers and other cars and it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how how they handle because the only time you think of snow type of racing is either rally cars or like snowmobile racing so you don't you don't really think of this too much but I, i'm definitely going to tune into it and and it just seems so interesting i hope we could also see some guys from from nascar depending on where that when the race is scheduled or from other series go out and and do this because it is such a cool idea to put cars on ice i never would have thought of that yeah yeah no i i agree man that that sounds like so much fun and uh yeah i would love to see that in person yeah but now that we we turn towards martinsville who do you think is going to win there oh uh you know that that's a tough call because if you go back to the spring well you would say it might be between william byron and chase elliott because those two guys pretty much led every single lap of the race but with the new tire that they have on all four corners of the race car with the different gearing with different conditions racing during the day and you know maybe it's going to be anywhere from 20 to 30 degrees warmer i don't know i do feel that if the track does rubber up like goodyear says it's going to with this tire this puts denny hamlin back in a good place in a good position to do that and and it would not surprise me to see denny hamlin get his sixth win there wouldn't surprise me to see ryan blaney contending for his first win of the season this upcoming weekend and heck chase elliott he's been really good as well last weekend at homestead he even admittedly said well we were racing defensively and they finished 14th i don't know that they're going to be that much on the defense this week so at least if i had to bring out three 
it might be those three. But but honestly, JC, I think it's anyone's game. I really do. I I agree with that. Any I think it could be anyone's game. Uh, but I I'm I'm just not sure. I think Ryan Blaney. I, I'd have to settle with him. I think he's he's way outside. But I just I can feel I feel that he he's a driver who can go into that to any track in in the position he's at and and just get it done. Um, he's he's has experience with them. This would be his first ever uh, championship round, but I I think he can do it if they if they give him the right equipment. The the problem with him this year has been closing out races, and it's not always been his fault. But he's gotta ha- he's gonna have to close a race out, and and I think it's gonna be this one. I think he can take it. But also, who do you think after this race will lock themselves? Who will be racing for a championship? I don't think that I see the championship four as it stands right now changing but one position. And uh, I think Ross Chastain at plus 19, keep your nose clean, you're on your way to Phoenix. I think Chase Elliott, he and Alan Gustafson have the experience to be able to keep themselves above water. They're plus 11 right now, and they'll be okay. So then in that regard, I think it comes down to Danny Hamlin and William Byron. And even though William Byron won at Martinsville earlier this year, uh, at one point this was Denny Hamlin's personal playground, and I think Denny Hamlin's experience is going to win the day. So I can see those two positions changing. Now, I basically have the exact same thing, but since I picked Ryan Blaney to win, I'd have to move him in. So mine would be Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. He would go in second because of his win, and then Ross Justin and Chase Elliott. Yeah, I, 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 again, I could see that. And look, we both might be wrong by like two or three drivers in this one, so that's what's <laughs> going to make it so fun this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be such a fun race to watch. Uh, we got, I don't know, it's just going to be so excited. Um, second time we've raced at Martinsville. We've seen two flat tracks this small, this super small this year, and uh, both of them have been very different, and this one is going to be different than that. I think we're going to see an old Martinsville-style race uh, it's going to come down. They're going to be beating and banging. And uh, somebody's going to win their way in. I, I can feel it. Somebody in this playoffs is going to win their way in. But thanks, Brad, for joining me. Uh, tune in next week for the uh, post-Martinsville uh, podcast. And then we're going to talk about this championship race. It's going to be really exciting. But thanks for stopping by the garage. The garage.